There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of June, 2010. For newcomers, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, bookmark all the other sites here for future use in case the com is down. And while you're at it, go into the books and the discs I have for sale. That's what gets me uh, trickling through life here. If you call it life, it's hardly a living, I believe you me. And it's not a job either, it's seven days a week. However, if you... Uh, go in there and buy the books and the discs, well, that might just keep me going. I rely upon you and your donations, generally, to to do that job. It's always the same few bunch of people who donate over and over again, and I guess that's just a symbol or a sign of our times, really, uh, the kind of age we're living in. Now, for the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order the books, you can use PayPal for donation or to order. Just send a separate email with the donation you can use a personal check to Canada, an international postal money order to Canada. Cash is fine as well. Across the rest of the world, you can do the same thing. PayPal for donation and uh, for purchasing books. Separate email if you want to purchase the books. MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash. Outside, of course, the Americas, you can't use personal checks uh, from, from Europe, for instance, to Canada. And in fact, outside uh, Outside, you can't even use any other country's um, international postal money orders from your post office except from the U.S. to Canada. It's the only exception left now because Canada and the U.S. really are one. It's just that most folk who live here don't know it yet. So, as I say, purchase these books and donate, and that hopefully will keep me trickling over. Otherwise, I'll go off and just teach small groups for a lot of money. The adjunct you hear on this show, remember, are paid by advertisers to the station. I've got nothing to do with it at all. Uh, that, that pays for the airtime, pays for the staff and equipment and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going by helping me out with mine. And lots of folk use this material that's put out here. You'll hear it in other talk shows a day, a day later. And uh, I go into things in a different tangent generally from the mainstream. I certainly add a lot to every topic I mention because I know more about the histories of various areas of society and what's really going on so I can add to the topics. There's a technique to reading anything. In fact, we've been taught not to really understand what we're reading, to be honest with you. We're given a cursory glance at things at school. We're taught to repeat after me. And because we're taught in that fashion, we don't really think through what's behind, what's the real message in what you're reading, even in the mainstream. Even in the mainstream. It's amazing, too, that politicians can get up on mainstream media and make astounding statements, and people don't ask what they're talking about. Like, what does it mean, George Bush, when he said, uh, the new freedom? What does that mean? Nobody asked him. And, of course, there wasn't a single uh, journalist there either who bothered to ask either. Isn't that a bit strange? But, of course, they're on the pay pocket of the guys in the CFR. They all belong to it. That's why. But that new freedom, as I say, was first mentioned by Woodrow Wilson an awful long time ago. 
And then you, you got the New Deal. It was a new constitution, technically, the new governmental system by FDR. And um, it's been on the go, getting upgraded ever since. We're back to the new freedom again, which means having no freedom at all, to be honest with you. So we're, people don't ask questions. They don't ask what they're talking about. It's rather astonishing. All through the European integration, all those years, I kept saying we're integrating with the Union and eventually we'll get a parliament. Because I'd read the CFR's books, they do publish them. Over there, it was called the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They've now got one for the whole of Europe, the European Institute for International Affairs. And I'll talk about that when I come back from these messages. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the CFR and all these big institutions that work together with the Royal Institute for International Affairs. It's just the American branch and how they have branches all over the world. They've had the Institute for Pacific Relations for a long, long time, pre-World War II, in fact, to the present, and uh, the Institute for Pacific Studies as well. These were both fronts for them in, in those particular areas. And they've got fronts across the world, but they've got departments in India and the old British Commonwealth countries. That was set up an awful long time ago before they were called the Royal Institute for International Affairs or the CFR. They were called the Milner Group and the Rhodes Group at that time. So they take responsibility for shaping most of the 20th century, including wars, world wars. And behind them, of course, you have the big banking group that started with Milner and Rothschild and international bankers like Lazard Brothers and so on. They were all part of the founders of what's now called the experts, those who have the right to rule society since they understand economics and they understand human nature. They've been studying people for thousands of years. That's why they know. But we're going through a, a planned agenda. And... Some other countries like Canada that had the, the Canadian Institute for, for um, International Affairs uh, and called themselves eventually the Council on Foreign Relations too to match the U.S. back in 2005. But then because everyone was talking about what they said on television 2005 publicly uh, as their own institution that we were amalgamating with the U.S., uh, then they changed the name again. So they've got another name now. It's amazing how just like chameleons, they keep changing the names instead of the colors, and we don't connect the dots together. It's the same ongoing process. Now, why would they have to keep doing that? And why they have to keep doing that is because they work and on behalf of an idea, uh, an idea tied in with eugenics, better people, and it's tied in with superior genes, uh, uh, superior intellects, uh, again, with that technocracy I was talking about too, Technocracy Inc., um, tied in with that too, that man will go on, at least certain men will go on into the future, those who are, who are desired to go on, while the rest obviously have to die off, otherwise the rest will be using up all the resources of the planet. And that's been a part of their mantra for a hundred years. A hundred years. And we see that what's coming in today, we see them 
manipulating the food for us. We see this, the skyrocketing cancer rates. We see uh, the massive autism that used to be very, very rare and uncommon. We see massive diabetes type uh, 1 even. But 1 used to be rare enough and type 2 just blossoming because of the GMO foods and all the rest of the stuff which the body can't handle. They can't handle the sugars, these new types of sugars, and they can't handle uh, the oils as well. That we've all been told they're better for us than the old butter and, and uh, fat, you know. So there are many ways to take us down and achieve their objective, and they really mean to do so. But, of course, right now we're in the, the age of uh, stampede, to get fast change through from one type of society to the next after the cultural war, wars they had since the 1950s, 60s, right through to the present, uh, the stampede is now with terror. A war on terror is beautiful because, you see, you can go on forever because you can keep changing your gun sights and, and labeling anything a terror or a terrorist. And it's wonderful. It's the most vaguest term I've ever had, really, isn't it? For a war on what? What, what terror? Terror. Terror isn't a people, you know? So... It's a beautiful technique to stampede us, take our rights away while they ram through the biggest changes in the world and at the same time achieves many of their goals, including uh, the changeover from a consumer society in the West to a society that were paying everything back in carbon taxes and fees and energy taxes. That's where your money will be going within the next two to three years. And you won't have anything left for your little goodies. Or they'll make sure you have enough for your little um, iPhones and your computer because it's essential you stay on the computer for, so that they can keep track of everything that you do every day and you chat away to your pals and so on. Everything gets monitored. It's essential. that It saves them putting a spy in every street like they used to do. And they did. <laughs> but, of course, you don't get history books that tell you that. You have to go into other books to find that out. Now, psychological operations is a fantastic field because it's beyond Bernays, way beyond Bernays, although Bernays certainly never, he could certainly do this kind of stuff. He did work with the U.S. State Department, uh, but he didn't publish stuff on manipulating the public for warfare purposes, but he knew all the techniques and he certainly taught, um, he's an advisory president. But psychological operations get us all ready for the next target and the next target and the next target uh, and through fear and all the rest of it. And what we don't realize is most articles that come out into mainstream media are handouts. I've gone through that before with you. Uh, that uh, documentary was called Star Suckers from BBC. If you can get a hold of it, watch the whole lot of it. Not just, then, not, not just the first part, but the rest of it. It shows you how the media works and how they put handouts straight from the PR companies, from military and everybody else, straight into the paper, often without even putting a journalist's name in it. Sometimes the journalists will put their name on it, but they just put it straight in there. And I read an article last year, I think it was from Fox News, and they admitted that they were going to put out at least 500, maybe up to 1,000 fake articles. This is the Pentagon in PSYOPs. Fake, fake articles in the newspapers using different names over a year, all to mislead us at home. Most folk think that your military is there to, to, to save you. No, they're also to work on you. Because it's not just the first casualty of, of war is truth. The first casualty is the fact that your, your own government's going to lie to you. Your own government. 
is going to lie to you using the military, PSYOPs. And now that everyone's talking PSYOPs, you see they're going to change it. But first, I'm going to read an old article from last year. It was from Wise Up, who took an article from Fox News from the 5th of the 2nd, 2009. Washington, as it fights two wars, or shot, it would be three with Iran, the Pentagon is steadily and dramatically increasing the money it spends to win what it calls the human terrain of world public opinion. In the process, it is raising concerns of spreading propaganda at home in violation of federal law. Well, it's already done that. Who cares about that? This is new freedom, right? An Associated Press investigation found over the past five years the money the military spends on winning hearts and minds at home, that's what they call it when they're lying to you, (laughs) Uh, has grown by 63% to at least $4.7 billion this year. That was last year, according to Department of Defense budgets and other documents. That's almost as much as it spends on body armor for troops in Iraq and Afghanistan between 2004 and 2006. This year, the Pentagon will employ 27,000 people just for recruitment, advertising, and public relations. That's that's propaganda, as public relations. Almost as many as a total 30,000-person workforce in the State Department. He says, we have such a massive apparatus selling the military to us, says Sheldon Rampton, research director for the Committee on Media and Democracy, which tracks the military's media operations. As the war has become less popular, they have felt they need to respond to that more. Military leaders say that at a time when extremist groups run websites and distribute video, information is as important a weapon as tanks and guns. And it goes on and on and on. However, that ties in with this article that's just out now, and it says military mulls a new name for psychological operations because, see, everyone's using it now. It's a dirty word. So they're calling it uh, M-I-S-O, missile, missile, you see. And I'll put these links up on my site at the end of the show, all these topics that I mentioned. But this says here, um, uh, psychological operations sound awfully awesomely creepy. In actuality, the military discipline can be pretty mundane, designing leaflets and driving sound trucks around, not plying your enemies with LSD. Now the Pentagon brass is mulling a name change that would make the cadre seem even more humdrum. If the switch goes through, psychological operations would become military information support and two operations. In other words, PSYOPs would become M-I-S-O, missile. Judging by the online reaction, the PSYOP community is none too pleased with the idea of a watery new acronym. Some of us joined psychological operations because it sounded awesome for its name alone. Notes one anonymous commentator on the Small Wars Journal blog. Today we fall under people who get to dictate and control what we do without knowing fully what our capabilities are. Uh, so now we have the name change from PSYOPs to MISO, and it's a slap in the face. The intimidation factor brought on by the words alone are what attracts many recruits to the MOS, Military Occupation Speciality. Now when you hear MISO, you might as well... Uh, just join admin or supply. So they joined for the name. They think they're going to be spooks and spies and getting to listen to uh, real secret stuff on telephones and snooping and all that kind of stuff. When generally they get awfully bored, as I know, because I get tapped very often. And you can hear them tap on the phone when you're talking about boring, a boring subject to someone. If you get on to something metaphysical, mind you, they're quiet listening to that. They love that kind of stuff. But there you go. That's the world as we have it, isn't it? 
Now, Canada, too. It's, it's amazing with Canada. They take years to tell you the obvious. Um, and it really does, too. Uh, this is about um, see, from CBC. It says, some politicians in Canada are under foreign sway. And this is from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, or Big Sis, as everybody calls it. It says, uh, uh, Richard Fadden, director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, in an exclusive interview with the CBC, Richard Fadden, director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, um, uh, says this, Canadian spy agency suspects that cabinet ministers, that's politicians, in two provinces, that states, are under the control of foreign governments, CBC News has learned. I guess they've been watching the states for a long time and realize we've got the same thing. I think McCarthy said it first brought it up, actually. Several members of BC municipal governments are also under suspicion. Uh, Richard Fadden, the director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, told CBC News in an exclusive interview. Now, I'll get back to this... Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just reading an article about uh, Canada waking up uh, after many, many years that some of their politicians are on the take from other countries. I'm sure a lot of them are on the take from other countries. They're, they're no different from any other country, in fact, in that respect. Anyway, because politicians are politicians. Eh? But it says here that several members of the British Columbia's municipal governments are also under suspicion. So, so that means also, so British Columbia is not the only one that's involved here. This is we're a bit worried in a couple of provinces that we have an indication that there's some political figures who've been developing quite an attachment to foreign countries, Fadden said. And this is, this is them covering their ass before they tell you anymore, right? The individual becomes in, in a position to make decisions that affect the country or the province or a municipality. That's right, right down to your local level, right? All of a sudden, decisions are taken on the basis of public good, but on the basis of another country's preoccupations. He said the politicians and public servants see it as a long-standing relationship and have no idea they're being used. <laughs> the, the, the most streetwise guys you'll meet are politicians. They've ripped off everybody else before they become politicians. You ever watched when they run for elections and they, they publish uh, their histories and all their bankruptcies that they have behind them and the credit cards, overdrafts and all that kind of constant stuff? That's who goes into politics. So they know what they're doing. It says uh, there are several municipal politicians in British Columbia and at least two provinces. There are ministers of the crown who think, uh, are, we think are under at least the general influence of a foreign government. Well, that was generally India and China. Uh, Fadden said the agency is in the process of discussing with the Privy Council office the best way to inform those provinces there may be a problem. <laughs> What rubbish, eh? I mean, you'd have to go in and investigate and get all the dope on the guys before they knew you were even watching them. And then you go with the problem. you all the dope on them, all their contacts. He says, we'll do the same with the public servants. I'm making this comment because I think it's a real danger that people be totally oblivious to this kind of issue. Strange way of writing. Fadden warned that foreign regimes through universities and social clubs will develop relationships with people who have a connection to the homeland. You invite somebody back to the homeland, you pay their trips, and all of a sudden you discover that when an event is occurring that's of particular interest to country X, you call up and you ask the person to take a particular view. Fadden said, that is true. 
Um, a lot of these countries will take parties over to Israel, China, different countries, and give them the grand tour, wine and dine them, and they feel that uh, they're on board with them. That's really what it's for. Are you on board with us? That's really what it is. Even the association of police chiefs send their boys over there too all the time to Israel. Uh, paid junkies. At least five countries are surreptitiously recruiting f- uh, future political prospects in universities, he said. Middle East countries are also involved. But China is the most aggressive, funding university clubs that are managed by people operating out of the embassy or consulates, Fadden said in a recent speech to Canadian police chiefs and security experts in Toronto. The Chinese authorities also organized demonstrations against the Canadian government in respect to some of Canada's policies concerning China, Fadden said. A number of countries take the view that if they can develop influence with people relatively early in their careers, they'll follow them through. That's how they do with all agents, Fadden said. Before you know it, a country's providing them with money and there's some sort of covert guidance. So, nothing out the, the usual there. What do you expect, you know? And, uh, and now you've really you've pushed the multicult society so far. What really do you suspect, expect? What do you expect? And can you even trust the spy you send to spy on them? And so it becomes dysfunctional in the end. Now, food's always been used as a weapon. And we put an article up tonight, and it's called Food and Depopulation. There's four parts of it. So go into cuttingthroughmedias.com website and look at the links and have a, a gander at them, as I say. Uh, download them too. You never know how long anything's going to stay up on the net anymore. So if you find it interesting, download it. But this is about food and depopulation part one, written by Cassandra Anderson. This is the purpose of this article is to give a brief outline of how the elites and the Rockefellers in particular are using food as a weapon. What a family the Rockefellers are though. And it's not just them. There's a, a massive army of workers working for them who obviously do the work. Because one or two people couldn't do this themselves, or even be on top of it all the time, from the beginning of their empire. It says, since the Rockefeller family came to power, especially after gaining a monopoly in 1914 with Standard Oil, they manipulated our government into ruining our financial system by way of the Federal Reserve, energy through the dependency and food uh, with GMOs. Uh, Their intention is to rob us blind and kill us. It's time to wake up. The official name of the program is Agenda 21, Sustainable Development. That's the United Nations Agenda 21. If the overarching blueprint for depopulation and total control over America and the rest of the world, there's no question that Americans are targeted for depopulation, and that is true. We're all being depopulated with cancers. We're all becoming sterile in the West very quickly. They know what's causing it, and they will not alter it. They never call it a crisis, by the way, which means it's meant to happen, obviously. Otherwise, it would be a crisis. So it says, GMO, genetically modified organism food, has saturated American farmlands. They're dangerous, and the proliferation of corn crops used as sweetener, animal feed, processed food, etc., in America is shortening our lifespans. It's true enough that Cuba now has a higher, a better lifespan than the U.S. or Canada. And we're back with more in this article after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, reading an article to do with food and depopulation, Agenda 21. And it goes on about uh, some of the things in Agenda 21 and what they address and what they don't address. This is the primary tools that Agenda 21 Sustainable Development uses are global warming lies, water shortages like the man-made drought in California, which also causes food shortages, and the Endangered Species Act designed to take away private property, which is the base of wealth creation and freedom. Now, in Agenda 21, there'll be no private property if you look into it. The focus of this article is revealing the link between the Rockefellers and their intended use of food as a weapon which is more powerful than military domination and energy control. Food goes hand in in hand with population control. The eugenics improvement of humans through selective breeding program often use brutal methods like genocide and forced sterilization, such as the program of the Third Reich in Nazi Germany, which was revealed after World War II. Obviously, people did not have a high opinion of eugenics, so according to William Egdal, author of Seeds of Destruction, the Rockefeller strategists shifted their profile to champion the causes of the environment, resource scarcity, and overpopulation. Long time ago. The policy of population control remained despite the illusion of carrying concern, which is simply marketing the world eugenics, has been renamed as human Genetics, that's what they're calling it now, and bioethicists, they're bioethics experts now, literally eugenicists, that are all through universities teaching courses in it, in eugenics, under bioethics. This scheme for improving their image worked for them before with their philanthropy and tax-free foundations after the Rockefellers became very unpopular following the Ludlow Massacre. That's when they turned the militia on the miners. So I'll put this up and you can have a look through it for yourself. It's in a four-part, as I say. And you've got to link it to the British side as well because it's all part, the Rockefellers are part of the CFR for the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Trilateral Commission because they were, it was an Anglo-American establishment, remember. And they also work with the other foundations. Rockefeller, I think, is in charge now of the Ford Foundation, and they work with the Carnegie Foundation. Carnegie was a big part of the Milner Group that helped create the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And this ties in again, as they always do tie in, with uh, the next article too, because this has been exposed before, um, but it was to do with uh, testing done in Russia on GMO food. And it says here, Russia says genetically modified foods are harmful. April 16th, that was April 16th. Uh, Russia started annual days of defense against environmental hazards from the 15th of April to the 5th of June with the announcement of sensational results of an independent work of research. Scientists have proven that genetically modified organisms are harmful for mammals. Well, we are mammals, folks. The researchers discovered that animals that eat GM foodstuffs lose their ability to reproduce. That was, that was done, that's simply a repetition of the studies done earlier, but at least it's more confirmation. Yeah, Campbell hamsters that have a fast reproduction rate were fed for two years with ordinary soya beans, which are widely used in agriculture, and those contain different percentages of GM organisms. Another group of hamsters 
was the control group which was fed with pure soya, which was found with great difficulty in Serbia. Because 95% of soya in the world now is transgenic, is already modified. Except for the 5% for the elite themselves, you see. Concerning the experiment carried out jointly by the National Association for Gene Security and the Institute for Ecological and Evolutional Problems, Dr. Alexei Surov had this to say. We selected several groups of hamsters, kept them in pairs and cells, and gave them ordinary uh, food as always, said Alexei Surov. We did not add anything for one group, but the other was fed with soya that contained no GM components, while the third group with some contents of genetically modified organisms and a fourth one with increased amounts of GMO. We monitored their behavior and how they gain weight and when they give birth to their cubs. Originally, everything went smoothly. However, we noticed quite a serious effect when we selected new pairs from their cubs and continued to feed them as before. These pairs' growth rate was slower and reached their sexual maturity slowly. When we got some of their cubs, we found the new pairs of the third generation. We failed to get cubs from these pairs, which were fed with GM foodstuffs. In other words, the GM foodstuff literally works intergenerationally, more sterile per generation for, into the third generation, and then that's it. That's game over. It's just another confirmation. But there's so many studies being done. Same with the GM potatoes uh, were given uh, rats and, and different um, animals cancers of the stomach. And if you wonder why the section now in pharmacies for stomach ailments is so huge now, it's because of that, folks. This is simple. So it really is as simple as that. That's how simple it is. Too simple for most folk to accept. They'd never do that to us. <laughs> that's the attitude. That's the, that's the cry of the gone, those who are gone. Now remember, if they go into a new system, where, as I say, most uh, of your, your income will be taxed back from you. And gradually, over a few years, you'll get trained into being a new, a new citizen where you'll purchase privileges. And that's also coming from the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They said that lot many years ago. They create a world of, of service to the world state, and you will pay for your privileges. Everything will be a privilege, you see. It's, um, it's coming fast. And there's many ways to do it, starting, of course, with increased taxations and this fake uh, bank crash where the, we're all being put down as the eternal slaves and or, or, or offsprings down to a great, great seventh generation grandson to pay off this debt to the bankers after they ripped the world off. Incredible, isn't it? You reward the crooks for stealing off you. Uh, and who does the stealing off you? Well, then your government does it again by stealing off you through taxes to pay the other gangsters. It's a mafia that runs the world. It really is a mafia. Very, very simple, isn't it? I mean, can you get anybody else to pay off your debts for you? Other than threatening them? <laughs> so it's a mafia that runs the world under the suits and ties and foundations and the apparent uh, appearance of doing good for the pub the public through um, these charitable NGOs. Now, Romania has really snookered. It's one of the first ones to go through value-added tax on all their goods to 24%. That's 24% tax on everything you purchase from stamps to your butter to whatever, a bus fare. Everything goes up 24%. Britain's putting up to 20%. And Canada, good old Canada, 
where where I think it was um, Mulroney brought in the GST. He was going to bring in value-added tax to be like the rest of Europe, but he said, but there's an outcry, so he says, okay, I won't. So he changed the name to GST instead and called it general sales tax. They've recently just amalgamated the two, getting us ready for the, a third tax, or really an increase in the value-added tax. And that when they joined the two together for provincial taxes and federal taxes, they used the PSYOPs word again. They harmonized it. You heard a choir singing as, as the coins clashed from two different hands. A choir sung. The harmony. Harmony is a nice positive word, isn't it? We all like harmony. Yeah. So they, they joined two taxes uh, in preparation for this massive increase. That's come. You see, we're all under the IMF now. And even the countries that weren't the hardest hit which means they didn't have as many crooks investing as other countries, that's what that means, um, have to help bail out the rest of the world. See, we're all in it together, like uh, the movie Brazil kept saying with the slogans. We're all in it together. We're all responsible for the mess the world's in. And we've got to pay and pay and pay. Quite something, isn't it? And then we find out, of course, that the body scanners that were hailed as being ultra-safe and, and, and wonderful and all the rest of it, and as the guy, and all the perverts who get the jobs there uh, have a good deco at everybody who passes through, uh, they're now saying that uh, they found out that these uh, scanners uh, give you a, a 20% higher dose, or 20 times higher, I should say, 20 times higher dose than they first thought. What kind of scientists are these? Huh? What kind of scientists are... It's like giving you a microwave oven that, that melts itself as soon as you turn it on, if that was the case. Yeah. They don't make these mistakes. They cover a lot of them. It's like the pharma. They get special people to write up wonderful, glowing reports. All lies to get the sales through. So this is from the Mail Online. Airport body scanners deliver radiation dose 20 times higher than first thought warns expert. I love these experts. These expert. The controversial use of full-body scanners in airports could lead to an increase in skin cancers, according to leading scientists. Well, actually, if it's 20 times higher, you're going to get a lot more than skin cancers, but they don't want to scare you too much. They say that the low-level beam does deliver a small dose of radiation to the body, but because the beam concentrates on the skin, one of the most radiation-sensitive organs of the human body, that dose may be up to 20 times higher than first estimated. Well, it's going through your skin. They already proved that too. And what does that do to your testes, guys? You better think about it. Or you're just too, too keen to get off to that beach somewhere with your sterility. Dr. David Brenner, head of Columbia University's Center for Radiological Research, said that although the danger posed to the individual passenger is very low, <laughs> there's no, you understand, they teach you the first thing in medicine that there is no safe level of radiation. It's accumulative. There is no safe level of radiation. So even though it's very low, he's urging researchers to carry out more tests on the device to look at the way it affects specific groups who could be more sensitive to radiation. So more certain gene types will be more prone to it, you see. He says children and passengers with gene mutations, around 1 in 20 of the population, are more at risk as they are less able to repair X-ray damage to their DNA. So it's damaging your DNA, like all radiation does. Dr. Brenner, who was originally from Liverpool but now works at the New York University, said... The individual risks associated with X-ray backscatter scanners are probably extremely small. 
If all 800 million people who use airports every year were screened with x-rays, then the very small individual risk multiplied by the large number of screened people might imply a potential public health or societal risk. The population uh, risk has the potential to be significant. Following trials, the airport scanners were officially introduced at Manchester Airport in January, at Heathrow Terminal 4 in, in February, and Gatwick in May this year, and they put them all through the States as well. The most likely risk from the airport scanners is a common type of skin cancer called basal cell carcinoma, according to the academic. The cancer is usually curable, I like the word usually, folks, and often occurs in the head and neck of people aged between 50 and 70. But you won't be 50 and 70 now because, because you haven't been sitting in the sun for 50, 60 years. You're getting x-rayed when you're five. <laughs> you got to tie it together to make sense of it. He points that it would be difficult to hide a weapon on the head or neck, so proposes missing out that part of the body from the scanning process. So that's, they're not going to take them away. He says, if there's an increase in cancers and as a result of radiation of children, they would most likely appear uh, some decades in the future. It would be prudent not to scan the head and neck, he added. He recently aired his concerns to the Congressional Biomedical Caucus in the U.S., members of Congress who meet to exchange ideas on medical research. So there you go, you know. They won't put it on hold, of course. Uh, they'll, they'll just wait and see. Because see, we're all disposable, you see, and we are supposed to bring down the population, so I guess everything has its mission and life and death and all that kind of stuff. And Greece is interesting. It's, it's selling off its islands. I noticed that Rothschild was in there again. He was in at Dubai as well and other countries uh, doing the auctioning off for that, now that they've built the place. Uh, he seems to get in at the right time, He's an inside ear or something. And, of course, that was after he auctioned off the roads in Britain. He privatized them and then auctioned them off to his pals for peanuts. But anyway, Greece puts his islands up for, for sale to save the economy. That was 24th of June. So the racing cash was selling off an area of state-owned land and, and Mykonos for luxury tourism. Uh, there's little there's little that shouts seriously rich as much as a little island off the sun to call your own for Sir Richard Branson, it's nectar in the Caribbean. Anyway, they, they blab on about it in the usual British fashion and make light of something that's rather serious as it as it's the selling off land. This is this is land for debt swap, you understand. This is a typical IMF manoeuvre. They've been doing land for debt swaps for years. You know, the island of Skye was sold off from Scotland by Margaret Thatcher when she was in, because the IMF was in there then. And they sold it to a Dutch multimillionaire with people on it. <laughs> uh, and nothing, of course, was hardly a murmur from, from the mainstream on that one. Hardly a murmur. That's the real reality of the, the world we live in. Then we find out that in the States, unemployment insurance is running out for millions. This is June 22, 2010, from the International Business Times. Roughly 15 million Americans are out of work. One-third of those people are currently receiving unemployment insurance. At the end of this month, if Congress does not change things, 1.2 million people will see their unemployment insurance expire, a number that will increase each subsequent month if no extension to benefits is granted. It's a pretty grim picture for these people, said Ross Eisenberry of the Economic Policy Institute. The states have done away with emergency assistance programs. 
They can still qualify for food stamps, but that's a limited amount and only covers food. There's some rental assistance programs, but they're still small with long waiting lists. Most of these people are just going to hit a wall. And this is, this is the country that support, that's furnishing wars across the world. And the cost of these shells they fire and the missiles they fire is just something else. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I can remember when they were popping off the cruise missiles from the ships when Clinton was in. And people forget that when Clinton was in, I think every day about a dozen or two dozen of these cruise missiles were flown over to Iraq then. And were exploding off in the desert in different places at one million dollars a pop. And they were doing 12, sometimes 24 a day. <laughs> but of course you can't get uh, any help back home, you see, because they don't need you all anymore, except to pay taxes. Now, there's a whole spate of problems with, with oil refineries right now. There's a fire in one I, I noticed in the States there, or a leak, another leak, I should say, in the States uh, in, uh, on land. The one in the Gulf on the go, and they have one, one of the biggest distilleries in Britain, fire and explosion at Total's Lindsay Oil Refinery, and that's from Yahoo News UK. A fire broke out at Total's S's Lindsay's Oil Refinery in England on Tuesday, injuring two people and shutting down one key part of the plant, although another, uh, other units were protected from the blaze, the company said. A spokeswoman at Total UK said the fire, followed by a small explosion, began at 11.57 a.m. By 6 p.m., Total sales, Total said that the fire had been contained and one person was missing. Amazing, eh? Is this going to happen all across the world till we get the message? Is it go to the carbon taxes and scarcity? Back after these messages. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. And just to leave it all on a, a note of uh, optimism, uh, it says, uh, State of Texas deploys special needs evacuation tracking system. And this is put out. It's a joint project by the state of Texas and Motorola, who's got the contracts for all these uh, RFIDs. They're going to give everybody if they have to evacuate. So it says here, when more than 1 million people evacuated from Hurricane Katrina in August 2005 and more than 2.7 million fled from Hurricane Rita the following month, evacuation routes were gridlocked, fuel supplies drained and shelters overwhelmed. Thousands of families were separated in hurricane and hundreds of pets were left behind or lost. The lessons learned from these catastrophic events reshaped the way the state of Texas approached the mass evacuation and amplified the need to better assist and track special needs individuals throughout the process. So the solution is uh, in response to the recommendations of a state-appointed special task force, the Government's Division of Emergency Management, GDEM, reached out to the private sector and AT&T-led group of technology providers, including Motorola, Radiant RFID, and Retriever Software, worked together to create an automated evacuee tracking system. That's not wonderful. Called TXSNETS, SNETS. TXSNETS. The system integrates Motorola handheld computers with geographic information systems, GIS databases, with status and tracking displays. 
tracking software, barcode wristbands, and radio frequency identification scanners, and commercialized and commercial coaches and school buses equipped with mobile global positioning systems. It says wristbands are scanned as evacuees board GPS-equipped buses and again upon arrival at the sheltering destination, updating the information at each point and sending the data wirelessly to a centralized database maintained by the University of Texas Center for Space Research. The TXSNET's solution allows the state to monitor the evacuees' status, keep family members and pets together, and provide information of who's run off. I added the last part, because that's really what it's for, isn't it? If they're doing it between stops, they want to know who skipped the bus or the train or whatever they else going to shove you into or the truck. So all things are going ahead as planned, obviously, and um, people are going to get a lot of money out of this. They always get money out of mayhem and crisis. Uh, as Rothschild said, when do you make uh, your profits? He says the best time is when the blood is flowing in the streets. And he certainly is one who should know, since he made full use of that typical technique. So I'm going to put these up, these articles up on my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, shortly after this show ends, with a few other ones too. Um, screening female eggs for health is the next step uh, from uh, from the, the new BBC News where they're going to tell you if your baby might be defective before it's even fertilized. So uh, they can do their genetic enhancement stuff or, or simply abort or sterilize you. Um, there's also <laughs> the National Health Chief in Britain is getting advertised for cost-cutting, and they're going to pay these guys to cost-cut the National Health Service £1,000 per day. Can you believe that? £1,000 per day for each one of these guys to slash the cost of the National Health Service. But, of course, that's all their inside pals that get the work. Well, that's from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where it's certainly getting lots of rain here like last year and the year before. It's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs> <laughs> 